Mm-hmm. So I would guess I'm an Orthodox Christian. But if I had to bet on one religion as if I were betting on the stock market for the future, you have to bet on Islam. Mm. Or near a mosque, I feel an energy that I, I'm at peace with. I might convert to Islam right now. This is the Greetings of peace. Welcome to the Dean Show. I'm here to your host. Now, the majority of you got acquainted with my next guest, Imori Andrew Tate, who's a four-time kickboxing world champion, commentator, and businessman, entrepreneur. When his video went viral in the Muslim world, people were emailing us the video and forwarding it to me actually on WhatsApp saying, you got to get this guy on the show. So here we go. Welcome, welcome. Andrew Tate, how you doing, my brother? I'm good, my friend. I'm good. Sorry for the, the delay in my appearance, but you know, I made it in the end. That's the most important thing. Very nice. Thank you for accepting the invitation. Glad so, to be here. So let's start off with it. See, they got to see this. Um, you're in this car now. Was it a uh, f- f- familiarize me with some of these? Uh, this uh, this brand. This it says on the steering wheel. E. Hold on. What are the people seeing here? That's me in Dubai, just, you know, living the life, my friend, living the life in Dubai. So uh, I'm there a lot. I'm there often. And uh, my, that's actually the place, my place I stay. It's right opposite the mosque. So uh, Beautiful. Do you, do you actually, if you don't mind me, do you know the words, what, we're, what are being said when you hear the Adhan, since you hear it so, so often there? No. So I think you and I first started speaking after, it was actually a video before this video. I believe I was on a podcast and I was explaining how much respect I have for the faith of Islam. Mm-hmm. and how it's a faith which is formidable and it's a faith that needs to be respected if somebody says look the uh the muslims are angry at you then it matters but if someone says the christians are angry at you nobody cares anymore right mm-hmm. and this is what i was trying to say i have a lot of respect for the faith i'm not a practicing muslim however i do have absolute respect for it so no i don't understand the words i didn't i didn't uh i don't know what it's saying it's beautiful but please tell me i'd love to know yeah, that's what I love to do is, you know, because it's so beautiful, but then actually you appreciate it even more. You know, like if you're telling somebody you're also, you speak Romanian? Uh, I, I, a little bit, yeah. I speak a little bit Romanian, but I'm, I'm American originally. Hi, yeah, you're from Chicago, no? Correct. I'm from Chicago, but I live in Romania now, which is, it's kind of crazy. Like my, my whole religious experience, my whole religious journey is I prefer to spend time in the most religious places on earth. I think they're the best places to be. Romania is very, it's the opposite of Dubai. It's extremely Orthodox Christian. It's actually the most Christian country in the world. So I spend most of my time between Dubai, which is, you know, very overtly uh, Muslim. And then I come to back to Romania, which is very overtly Christian, but both of them have strong faith. And I think a lot of the problems with the world today is that the West is lacking faith. And I don't like being around. I don't like being in agnostic or atheistic societies anymore. I try to avoid them if possible. So inshallah, which means God willing, after you, and I'll define these terms as we go along, after you take your, maybe inshallah in the future, you take your shahada, or maybe even on the show, you can end up in the most holiest place in Mecca, since you well, like being around the most religious places. Well, <laughs> hey, absolutely. I mean, but like I said, my own personal journey, it's, it's, I think it's taking a little bit of time. I, I yeah. know um, people often ask me, what, what religion are you? And it's hard for me to answer that specifically. When I am in... Dubai or near a mosque, I feel an energy that I, I'm at peace with and I enjoy. Wow. But I can't say it's not true also about particular churches here in Romania. So for, for now, all I know is I need to be a good person. Um, and, and that's what I'm trying to do. But I have, and I stated it in the last podcast before, it, people often ask me, you know, which religion do you, when they ask me which, which religion I am, I make it very clear the religion I have the most respect for is Islam. It, it's, it's not even close. It has to be. Uh, so just for educational purposes, I like to go ahead and just share with people when you hear this adhan, and you'll pre- probably appreciate it even more what um, the person is saying is to call the prayer is God is the greatest. God is the greatest. 
There's no God but the one God. There's nothing worthy of worship but God. Uh, come to prayer, come to success. Uh, and there's nothing worthy of worship except God. And Muhammad is the final messenger. This is basically, in a nutshell, what the meaning is behind it. So that that uh, seems pretty reasonable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that and that would automatically include Jesus and all the preceding messengers that came. Because is when you take this this testimony, the Shahada, right away, it doesn't exclude Jesus. And this is, I don't know if you've already learned by now that it's a pillar. It's actually to, the belief in Jesus is something that every Muslim has to love and revere Jesus as a mighty messenger. Otherwise, you, you can uh, you exit Islam. Yeah, it's, it's actually amazing how in many ways, like you're saying, Jesus is one part of it. But in many ways, obviously, there's key differences. But in many ways, there's a lot of similarities. And it's kind of funny yeah. to me, whereas... Christianity in the modern world has become such a laughing stock, and it, and it has been because people don't practice it in any kind of strict way anymore, really. And people say, "Oh, you know, Islam's so strict." And I say, "Look, a lot of the rules of Islam are also in the in the Bible. You just you're a Christian who's never read it. Like you've mm. never read your own Bible. You don't you don't know what the, your own rules are. So it's amazing how similar a lot of the tenets of the two religions are. It's just Islam and and Muslims are the last people who take it seriously and practice it." in a way it should be practiced and respect it. And that's why I think I first kind of went viral in the, in, the, in the Islamic world when I said, look, I have so much respect for Muslims as a whole and the way they view their faith and how seriously they take it. I don't understand why you have these girls who call themselves Christians and they're drinking on Saturday night, meeting boys, doing whatever, and then going to church on the next day. I, I don't, that doesn't feel real to me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I want to get into that video now and take some clips from it, and you can watch yourself. I was going to do a breakdown of this, but I said, why not have the man on himself? Hey, you can do and a breakdown. Do, do a breakdown while I'm here. I'd love to hear it, bro. You can do a breakdown. <laughs> here, let's go ahead. You'll help me with it. Islam fixes a lot of the problems that men are currently facing. Yeah. The problems we're discussing on this show, Islam yeah. fi fixes all of them, mm. right? That's the first thing about Islam. And I'm not a Muslim, right? If I had to choose a religion, I would, because I live in an Orthodox Christian country, I go to the Orthodox Christian church. I donate $20,000 a month to the church in the country okay. I live in. The church, okay. the church in Romania is very powerful and I like having church friends. So mm -hmm. I give them a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. So I would guess I'm an Orthodox Christian. But if I had to bet on one religion as if I were betting on the stock market for the future, you have to bet on Islam. That's deep. What do you think? What do you think of my, uh, my analysis? I love it. I mean, this is, uh, you, you actually, uh, did you have a lot of Muslims contacting you after this? I mean, they were sharing. I was getting this video from from my team, from on WhatsApp, all over the place. Uh, so. Yeah, I was getting yeah crazy messages all over over Instagram. Lots and lots of messages, and I think a lot of people were very surprised by what I said. But it's very true. I mean, what I say is the Islamic faith, and I've said it already on this podcast. It's taken seriously. It's respected by its its tenants, and it's very much like you know. If I let me give an uh, an analogy. If you don't respect your own house, if you walk into somebody's house and it's, it's a, and it's a mess, you're not going to worry about making a mess or about cleaning up after yourself or leaving a cup on the coffee table, right? But if you walk into someone's house and it's pristine, then you're going to be very, very concerned about making a mess. And they have it, Muslims have so much respect for themselves that people automatically respect the religion as a whole, whereas Christians don't. And this is the thing. We talk about things having longevity. We talk about things lasting into the future, especially religions as a whole. If you become tolerant of everything to the point where like Christianity is now where they say, oh, we're tolerant. Well, if you're so tolerant, you ignore your own book. Then what are you? Do you, do you know where I'm coming from? Absolutely. And that's why I have so much faith. Uh, sorry, so much respect for the Islamic faith. And that's why it's the one I would bet on. And when I say bet on, I mean, I can I know Muslims will be here in 100 years. What does what does Christian mean today? Very little. What's it going to mean in 100 years? nothing <laughs> you know like let's be honest right so that's also another really interesting way to look at it because then i start to look at things and say okay well you have to choose which religion or which faith you believe is is the true faith but if one faith survives and the other faith is annihilated in real time that tells you a lot as well doesn't it doesn't that tell you a lot absolutely <laughs> so, yeah. um it's really interesting for me it's it's like i have not made any kind of final decisions etc but i try and analyze things from a very very logical perspective i know god exists and then you go oh say okay god exists and there's all these different interpretations of god as such but the the only one i see which has a warrior class that people fear is islam that's that's the only one there is mm -hmm. let's uh let's continue on here respect that about them 
I respect that. That's an amazing thing about them, right? And the third point is, and I've been all around the world, some of the best countries in the world today are the first world Muslim nations. Yeah. Mm, Qatar, you can go to Qatar, you can fall asleep with a million dollars on your lap in the middle of the street. Nothing's going to happen to you. Saudi Arabia as you well. You can go to Saudi, nothing will happen to you. You can go to Dubai, UAE, nothing's going to happen to you. They leave their cars parked with the, with the keys, keys inside. In. It's so safe. Yeah. Wow. You know, we often hear, Andrew, you know, people end up hearing that, oh, if you go out to that part of the world, they're going to chop your head off. They, they create this fear and anxiety, you know, for people living in America. But now you're talking about something totally the antithesis to this. You're talking about it's so safe. And you said something that if you, you could fall asleep in Qatar with a million dollars on your lap, literally, and it'd still be there. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing. Yeah, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble in those countries if you turn up and disrespect the country as a whole. But why should and why would you do that, right? If you turn up and you show the respect, the appropriate respect, you're not going to have trouble in these places at all. All of the trouble that exists in the West, the general, I often say like, it's kind of strange when you discuss crimes as a whole, right? It's kind of interesting to me that the Western democracies have always sold this lie that you're safe from the government if it's a democracy. Well, that's not true. That's been proven in real time recently, right? Canada's proved that, Australia's mm -hmm. proved that, America's proved that. So you're never safe from your government. So a democracy as a whole is no safer to exist under than a kingdom, uh, like the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, or a dictatorship. There's, there's, you're no safer under a democracy. So we can remove that element, the whole idea that they're not democratic, because democracy doesn't provide anything or, 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 or help anything in terms of safety from the government. But what a democracy does do is cause so much fraction and so much disintegration amongst the society that now you have to not only fear your government, you have to fear the normal people on the street. It's crazy. I read yesterday in L.A. they're telling people no longer to wear jewelry. They're advertising on the news, don't wear jewelry. Wow. That's it's incredible. And this is one of the, this is the richest country in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And you go to these poor countries, these poor countries, but because people, like we just discussed, because people are religious, because people have a higher purpose, because they see beyond the material goods of only this world, it's a very safe place to be. I've been to these places and I feel completely perfectly safe. Yes, of course I could get my hand chopped off if I'm an idiot. But why <laughs> but but I would rather exist in a society where I know the lines and I know the boundaries and I know how I get myself in trouble and not do it that exist in New York City where I can be obeying the law and just be in the wrong place at the wrong time and get a drive-by. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. These places are absolutely safe, and they're safe because they've maintained they've maintained the basic structure of family, the basic structure, yes. and the basic structure. That's all it is. When you maintain the basic structure of family, you maintain the basic structure of society. Yep. And, and that's all it is, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it's kind of amazing as well in first world Muslim nations. When you maintain the... The, the family structure, people also don't want to bring shame upon their family. Mm -hmm. So the family do a lot of policing. They don't want to have a member of their family that's out there committing crime, mm -hmm. right? So like the West is broken on so many levels. And that's what I was kind of saying in that video is that a lot of the problems are fixed by Islam as a whole. And, and, and the first world Muslim nations are proof of it. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think that Muslim countries are dangerous because of a lot of the war in the Middle East. But the war in the Middle East is propagated by the West anyway. That's again, that's America's mm -hmm. fault. So, yeah. like, so you know, it's 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 crazy, really. How, how did you feel? Would you feel welcomed? How, obviously, you've been there for a long time, Dubai. How did you feel now with the community people welcoming the hospi hospitality, etc.? It's yeah, it's amazing. Like Dubai is the least racist place on the planet. I think ninety percent of the people there are from other places. You can be black, white. You Filipinos are there. Vietnamese are there. Everyone's there from everywhere. Mm -hmm. Americans, everyone's there. It's amazing that you have a city which is statistically so safe with all these different people from all these different places, right? And they've done that by just maintaining some kind of social cohesion. You can't have degeneracy all around you 24-7 without degenerating as a person, right? And that's what's happened in the Western world. To a degree, Christianity used to keep the Western world in check, but the Christianity has become so weak it doesn't mean anything anymore. And we're living in a situation now where if you want to go somewhere where you know that you can exist in a wholesome environment, I mean that when you go outside, you're going to see families, man, woman, some children. It's going to be fairly wholesome. You're not going to see any kind of degeneracy. You're not going to see anything strange, anything weird. You're not going to see like any of the crazy crap you would see walking down a street in L.A. You're just not going to see it. And, and Dubai tries very, very hard to prevent degeneracy while also allowing people from all around the world to come live in safety. And, and, and work hard and, and make a good life for themselves. And they've done it all under the guise of Islam. I have so much respect for that.
Women, everyone's married. Every woman obeys her husband. Every single woman has four, five, six kids, big families, all the things we're talking about, all the problems we have here, right? They've got none of that, none of it because of Islam. Islam keeps society in the role where women obey their man, women have children, women have big families, women are exceptionally happy to do so. Yes. Before, yeah. before some Western girl comes in here and runs her mouth, the, the Islamic women are happier than any you're gonna see in the club tonight. They're very true. They're happy, society is functioning, their population is growing because in most Western countries, the population is declining. Yep. Tim Cass is talking about it today. I was talking yeah. about we were two people on the have boat. one yeah. kid. Doesn't work. Doesn't <clears> work, right? Two people need to have 3.1 kids because people die, right? People die prematurely, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So we have population problems in the West. They have none of the population problems. Society is functioning. And that's, that's what society is. Society is... Society starts at the smallest possible group. You have families, and families make a street, and that street makes a village, and that village makes a town, that town makes a city, and that city makes a country. That's a beautiful uh, example that you just gave, where we seem like people are going away from from this. Uh, you gave this example how the, there's like a hierarchy. You have the, the husband running the house, then the, then the wife, and there's some structure there. And people are having children. We see a lot of people walking dogs over here. Yeah, well, I mean... Not, nothing against dogs, I'm not saying, but you seem like people have replaced, have, are taking more pets than children nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's a bunch of reasons for that. And it's basically because I think most both genders, especially in the West, have forgotten their roles as a whole. Like, I, I understand why most men are not waking up thinking, you know what, I want to have a bunch of kids with a woman. The legal system's out to destroy mm. you. Most mm. of the women aren't going to behave themselves or comply in any kind of manner. Like... I had many Muslim friends. I grew up in, in Luton in England, which is pre predominantly Muslim. And I, mm. in England as a whole, London has a lot of Muslims as well. Yeah. My Muslim friends used to say to me all the time, we'd be out and we'd be walking around and they'd see some girl in a short skirt or whatever. And they'd say, this is why I need an Islamic wife. Is she a wife? She's naked mm. and drunk at 2 p.m. Mm. in the afternoon. Like there's, there's, I you just said, you, hold on. You, did, did you mean 2 a.m. or 2 p.m. actually? p.m. Sorry. 2, 2 p.m. 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Wow. Just drunk and just, you know, run around acting crazy and. And, mm -hmm. and there's, a, there's a degree of, I mean, hey, I think if you were to ask any man if you'd want an Islamic wife, a wife who complies, who's not going to cheat, who behaves herself, who dresses modestly, maybe not even completely, you know, full burqa, but dresses modestly, behaves appropriately, shows respect. This, that, was, that whole podcast was about how to try and make females basically act the way they've acted for the longest period of human history up until modern times where they've completely forgotten. And I said, well, Islam fixes it <laughs> because they don't have yeah. any of these problems, right? We, we now live in a world in the West where we've thrown religion away and we've thrown cultural norms away. We've thrown so many things away. And there's a degree of confusion amongst people. People are lost. They really are, men and women. I think a lot of the Western women act so degenerate and they don't do it because they're evil. They're doing it because they're trying to find happiness and, and they can't find it, right? And they think, oh, maybe a new man's happiness. Maybe drinking alcohol's happiness. Maybe mm. taking drugs is happiness. And if you don't ever find a higher purpose, you're just going to degenerate in a spiral downwards. And that's kind of what's happened. And now we're in a situation where in the West, a man can't find a wife worth having. And people keep saying, oh, men don't want to be men anymore. Men don't want to get married. Would you marry some chick you meet in the club in Miami? Mm. <laughs> like, like, you'd be a fool. Like, I won't. You know, so it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting how society is degraded and it's all started at the bottom. I, it's very hard to find a, a humble woman who's modest, who wants to have many, many children for a man she obeys and respects in the Western world outside of Islam. It's family levels broken that it's broken the whole way up. Yep. Yep. And that's what's happened in the West. And the first world Islamic countries have none of those problems. So if you're going to talk about a belief system that fixes issues, you need to go to Islam. And I will that, say this that too. will fix everything. <laughs> I just have absolute, even though I wouldn't identify as Muslim, yeah. I have I have absolute respect for the ideology, yeah. respect for the mentality, respect for the warrior aspect of it. I, I respect they it. They don't play. They don't play. You can't insult their shit. But you can insult the church all day. You can make fun of it. They're, they're show True again, no? Yeah. And, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of depth to what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what's the point of a belief system if it doesn't maintain society? Like we're talking, I just said there how Islam will fix a lot of the problems of society. Well, what's the point of a belief system if it doesn't maintain society? Wasn't that the whole point of belief systems since the dawn of time? Wasn't it to show people how to live in a way which is going to benefit the world as a whole? Isn't that the whole point of a belief system? 
if you have a belief system that doesn't benefit society, then what? Then what? What's the what good is it? Right? Mm-hmm. Christianity ain't benefiting society anymore because no one's listening. Christianity is so weak, which goes on to the point I'm just about to make about how you cannot insult the Islamic faith. You cannot insult it. You cannot mock it. it in in the Christian countries, they mock Christianity all day long. They'll make fun of their own religion. It's 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 incredible, right? And mm-hmm. it's to the point now where it on Netflix on TV. They'll just mock it, mock it, mock it. But they still, even in these countries which see themselves as atheist or agnostic, will not mock the Islamic religion because they know that that's going to be a mistake. And this goes on to a wider point outside of religion, which is kind of my life philosophy. If you don't have the balls to fight and defend an idea, then you don't have an idea. It doesn't matter what you think. If someone comes along and says, it's not true, I apologize for swearing. If someone comes along and says, that's right, we'll, we'll, we'll beep it out. <laughs> if someone comes along and says that's not true and you're not prepared to stick up for yourself and defend your idea then it doesn't matter anymore if i say two plus two is four and someone comes along and says two plus two is five and he's about to hit me and i'm scared of him then he becomes right might makes right to a degree if you're not prepared to defend an idea you don't have an idea so if you're not prepared to defend a faith you don't have a faith and that's why when you start to add all these things up it's like the last faith on the planet is 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 islam there's there's no other faith that people are ready to die for and defend and if you're not ready to de- defend an idea, you don't have an idea at all. Mm-hmm. And and for those people who are tuning in who are not acquainted, there's a lot of a lot of people who are Muslim watching this program. But then we get a lot of not yet Muslims out there, and Islam simply means to gain peace, to acquire peace, uh, purpose in life by submitting your will to the one Creator of the heavens and the earth, God Almighty. In Arabic, we say Allah. In Aramaic, the language Jesus spoke, he would say Allah ha Eloh. This is. Uh, you know, simply the one creator of the heavens and the earth. Now, you um, you mentioned in one of your talks, you talk about Will Smith and some of um, the things that he's been through, you know, with his marriage and that. Do you think he could have benefited from the from the system, the way of, of this way of life we're talking about? Absolutely, he could have. I mean, look look at the absolute... He's become a laughing stock. He was the coolest guy in the world, right? Everyone loved Will Smith before his wife completely destroyed him and wrecked him. It's 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 really crazy to me because we live in a world now where you have to be a, a, a real. I want to use the correct language here. You have to be an animal as a man. And I mean, you have to be like a real top shelf, top tier man to make sure that you can get through life in the Western world without either being embarrassed by a female, cheated on by a female, to still enjoy the company of females, to not have anyone try and take you to court or destroy you. Like if if you're the top top one percent, like I've I've done fine, then you can do it, right? But for the for the average man in the West, outside of the idea of an Islamic marriage, for example, there's basically no hope. There's no hope. Like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna pull off? It's incredible. And and I know a bunch of guys who who are Christian and they go to the church and their Christian wives cheat on them. Like the church ain't gonna save you. It's, mm. This is what I mean. Like, wow. Wow. there's no, there's no fate. There's nothing there, and it's kind of yeah. It's incredible. And you, like you say, you talk about Will Smith. I think a lot of people can benefit from the entire Islamic worldview. I think it's, I think it's beneficial to society as a whole. And we look at, if you want to look at countries, I'd love to actually do this study. Maybe you know better than me. But if you were to look at countries in terms of police expenditure to crime, I, I would, I would guarantee that the Islamic countries, the ones we just talked about, the first world ones, are some of the safest countries on earth per capita for the amount of money they spend trying to police crime. Whereas in other countries, we're just spending unlimited money trying to stop crime we can't stop. Women don't respect men anymore. Men don't really want the women besides for a one-night stand. No one's having children. No one's having families. No one's satisfied or fulfilled, which is why they want to take drugs and do stupid things and degenerate themselves. And everything spirals into the other, right? Humans need higher purpose. And and this is the thing. I'll be completely honest with you, my friend. I was an atheist for a long time. Mm. I, I really was. I was an atheist for a long time. And I, I didn't truly really believe in God until about maybe seven, eight years ago. I thought I was a smart ass and thought I was, you know, atheist, blah, blah, blah. And then God started showing himself to me in many ways, whichever religion he's from. But then I realized that people need something to believe in. All these people who are atheist, they're, they're, they believe in climate change and, and abortion law and COVID more than anybody else. They have their beliefs. They have their religions, liberalism, and their religion is a religion of absolute degeneracy. You know, like, look at the things they purport. Look at how hard they tried to convince the world that it's a good idea that we eat the bugs and, and climate change and that people change gender and all this other garbage. So everyone needs something higher to believe in. And I think that these, I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Islam is not even as old as Christianity, right? It's not even that old, is it? 
Well, it goes a little deeper if, if I can just take a second and kind of sure. ex run it down to you. See, what we believe is that you have the first man, Adam, and he was told to submit his will to the Creator alone, without associates, not to worship a stick, a stone, a bone, or anything in creation. So we believe that Islam started with the first man, Adam. Then that concept of submission to the will of one and only one God, not worshiping your desires, not worshiping a human being, anything in creation, was the same way of life that was preached and teached f with every messenger that God Almighty sent. And from Abraham, Noah, Moses, you name it, all many of the biblical prophets, they all call their people to worship one and only one God and to submit their will. Like the Lord's Prayer. You hear the Lord's Prayer, O our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We say this is Islam. So just like at that time, if Abraham was asked uh, if he ever heard this term human, he was a human, but he never heard the, the human, that term human. Uh, but now, if if he was a human, he was. Same thing, if you, there's a verse in the Quran where God Almighty is saying, Abraham, Abraham, he wasn't a Jew or a Christian, but he was one who submitted his will to God Almighty. That's what a Muslim is. Because people get, that's why uh, these defining these terms is so important because... You know, you think Muslim, you think an Arab in the desert, you'll think Islam, it's like some religion, just it's a new religion that started with Muhammad. No, no, we say it started with the first man, Adam. It continued with Moses, Abraham, Jesus, peace be upon him. They all call people to Islam to submit your will to the will of God. And they were all Muslims. They were all ones who submitted their will to one and only one God. You know, it's, it's a simple, it's very simple to understand, very, very, you know, and then when you mention uh, God, the, it's, it goes with the innate nature. There's a beautiful verse in the Quran where it's, it's, um, it's 112th chapter where it says, Qul huwa Allahu ahad. Qul huwa Allahu ahadun illahu samad Lam yalid wa lam yulad Wa lam yakun lahu kufuan ahad Say he is God, the one and only. The, the unique, the eternal. He begets not, nor is he begotten. Meaning that he's not born of, of anyone, nor does he die. He doesn't have children, a DNA of zip code, an area code, no. Uh, and there's nothing comparable to him. Nothing, nothing. If you, you cannot compare anyone or anything to God. This is the pure monotheism. This is what distinguishes Islam from every other ism, is the pure monotheism. So I hope I answered your question. So we say it's not a new religion started with my Muhammad. It's just the finality. He was just the final messenger, uh, completing it with the, the living miracle that we have today, which is the Quran. Because Jesus at his time, to prove he was a messenger, he did certain miracles. Uh, and, but if you were to ask an atheist today, show me those miracles, you couldn't show them. Uh, but we believe in them. But today, anyone who takes a scientific analytical approach, they will see from the preservation of the Quran to the prophecies, you know, to many of the scientific statements. There's, you know, the, the literary miracle of the Quran. You know, there's just too many things that it doesn't add up that this would come from a hu just a human being. So it's not blind faith in Islam. You, you use the faculties that God Almighty gave you. You look into the Quran. You look into the life of Prophet Muhammad. And then, like myself and many, you're like, uh-uh. This is not possible. This can come from a human being. And then you submit. Do you have a lot of Christians who, who convert or change? Do you have that a lot? Because you can go and watch, you know, I got hundreds. I've been doing this since uh, early 2000. We got hundreds and hundreds of uh, programs with people. I have a good friend. He's from Romania. He's Gabriel uh, Romani. Gabriel Romani. Uh, he's somebody who was a, a Christian and he accepted Islam. You have tons of tons of tons of uh, stories of people, same thing, who are struggling with with many of the uh, concepts of God that are out there, um, and, and and then they looked into they looked into all the different different religions, like myself, and they saw that Islam just made the most sense. Like you're saying, the things that it fixed the problems, you know, of society, it gave solutions not only on how to go to the from the smallest things, from how to go to the bathroom. To how to run your home and how to run a country everything is laid out and it doesn't make sense that this human being could have came up with these things you know yeah it's true it's absolutely it's, it's absolutely interesting and that's where yeah. the, the base of my faith comes yeah. from my 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 respect for it all tell me tell me this you said if we remove all the garbage in the fairy tales if men are true to their biology no man is a one woman man <laughs> i i truly actually believe that i believe if you a lot of i think that Obviously, okay, we're humans, right? We exist as biological animals, and then we exist with the degree of societal programming. And I think the femme-centric societies of the West have convinced men 
that we should have one woman and one woman only. And I can get conspiracy theorists on why that is, but I think a lot of it is down to the fact that they are trying very hard in the Western world to suppress the will of man. They want the Western male to a degree to be suppressed and not suppressed in a way which empowers him because I think there's different degrees of suppression, right? You can be suppressed in a way which will empower you, but you can also be suppressed in a way which will just destroy your will to fight. And I think a lot of that is down to, not not down to this, but every single thing they do, every single thing society purports to a degree is not to empower men. And you're more likely to feel powerful as a man if you have three wives or if you have a lot of a female who adore you, right? But if you have one chick who doesn't obey you, who you can't divorce without losing the house, who won't even have sex with you and doesn't want to have your kids and you're stuck with her. It's pretty hard to find a warrior spirit. It's hard to act like a king if you don't feel like a king in your own household. And I think that if you were to go to any man on, in the world and be honest with him and say, look, uh, it's perfectly acceptable for you to have this woman. She's going to be loyal to you. She's going to love you. She's going to stay with you. She's your wife. And you can also have this one and she's going to be your wife. Same deal. I do not think there's a man alive who would say no to that. I, I really don't. Why would he? Why would he? Right. I think society tells us we're supposed to only have one. But I, I understand in, in Islam, you can have four, I think. I, but I'm, I'm not an expert. You are. But um, I just think it's natural human nature to enjoy the company of more than one female. Or I think if you're a, a man of means, you could easily have more than one wife. I think that's perfectly normal. And I think that that's been beaten out of the Western male as a suppression mechanism. Inshallah, God willing, when you do take your, your shahada, which is simply a testimony that there's again. I, that's like in the the adhan when you were listening to it and you were um, in your car. That simple statement that there's nothing worthy of worship except Allah and Muhammad is messenger. So, uh, inshallah, when you take your shahada, do you see yourself being someone that would need four wives? Because somebody in your state is that something where now this uh, this if you want to be someone who's devoted to God 100 percent. And now if it's in marriage and now God is giving you an avenue. Is this also another proof? Because I actually, if I have Christians come to me and say, you know what, Eddie, you know, scratching their head. I had one professor of uh, jiu-jitsu. I teach uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, great jiu-jitsu. And a friend of mine, he's, we're on the mats together. And out of nowhere, he comes to me and says, Eddie, you know what? I've been thinking about this. He goes, you know, I, it makes sense that man can have more than one wife. There's more women, you know, and this, that, and the other. He's using his logic. And it just he just, uh, out of nowhere, came up with this. But you know what else more than one wife will give you? It'll give you children faster, like, mm -hmm. like, because, because, even the even the most atheistic or or the the most Christian men I know, they might have two or three babies, and it'll take five to six years by the time the woman gets pregnant, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, blah blah blah. And they said, oh, "I'd love to have more kids. My wife's finished now, etc." Look, if if you're a man of means financially, let's say me for example, I'm I'm financially very well off. I'd love to have ten children. I can't get that from one woman. Maybe okay, maybe I could, right? But you understand the point, right? So there's there's also a bunch of other benefits to having four wives. Just just have a nice, big, large family. I mean, why be a man? This is why you're on the planet, right? You're on the planet to spread your genes and spread your ideas and to, to conquer the best you can. It's inside of every single male. We all have that natural instinct inside of us, the masculine insect in, instinct for conquest. That's why we went to war like we did since the dawn of human time, right? You want to have a nice, you want to be old on your rocking chair and look down at all your children who obey you. And you want to be proud with what you've done. And yeah, having a bunch of wives makes a whole bunch of sense. <laughs> it makes a bunch of sense. Like, I don't see why they wouldn't. Now, obviously, the Western female will say that's disgusting. But the Western female will sleep with the guy she met for 10 minutes. And she thinks that's not disgusting. So her entire worldview is absolutely distorted. I don't think there's anything wrong with, a, with, with many women sharing a man who has the means to take care of them and provide for them. I think that's completely natural. Many people, they, you know, they twist this and they think this is like some harem of a Muslim with all these women and whatnot. They get this Hollywood image or whatnot. But, you know, when people, this is a woman's actual right, you know, a woman to choose the best man out there to go ahead. You know, when there's also, uh, you look in, in today's society where, like you're saying, you know, you know, it's, it's hard to also f have a, a strong family. This is a responsibility. This is not just something where you're just playing with them. You're taking her on. You're caring for her. You know, and not every man can do this. It takes a man to do this. And many, you know, you talk about this also, the difference between and fill us in what's a beta male, alpha male and woman, you know, the hypergamy, women looking for the, the, the best men out there. And a lot of them you also talk about men have turned into cowards. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it's, a, it's a role that is it's hard to fulfill. But for someone like you, 
who now you know and somebody let's say who's used to who's in who's in who is used to let's say a famous person a celebrity a man of status and and you also give this example like through history the sultans the the leaders the 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 conquer whoever the the highest men of society this was something that they all had uh, multiple wives you know they had multiple women so now to limit a man in this stature in this status to just one but now you have an avenue that god has allowed what do you say but this this is the exact point right this is why a lot of the degeneracy that exists amongst western world leadership exists like if you look at rich men in the west right a rich man in the west especially a polit political someone who works in politics they're only allowed by society and by Christian law to have one woman. And they have this one woman and they're not satisfied with her. So what do they end up doing? They end up looking for secrets. They want to do things that nobody's going to know about. So what do they do in secret? Well, we can go down the, the rabbit hole of, of Epstein's Island and XYZ and all the crazy, degenerate, disgusting things they do just to pr pretend and, and, you know, promote this uh, one woman image, but truthfully, no man is satisfied with that. And when, cause they're not satisfied, they're out there doing whatever they can in secret and, Basically, a lot of it's absolutely degenerate. Whereas if you look at the leader of UAE, he has seven, eight wives, but that means he doesn't need to go down any kind of degenerate avenue because he's satisfied as an individual and he's satisfied with his status. Look, as a man, especially if you're a high status male, you want to be satisfied with that status, right? I have worked very, very hard to become a high status male. So I want to drive a car that reflects that. I want to have a relationship or relationships that reflect that. Nobody wants to become the richest man in the world to sit around with one chick who doesn't obey them. Nobody's interested in that. And that's why they go down the path of degeneracy. That's why I think the Western world is so degenerate because they're not allowed to live out their natural male instinct. They're not allowed to live out their masculine instinct. Even if you look at, let's say, a country which is still Christian but is not bound by the same societal rules. If you look at, let's say, Russia, right? Every rich man in Russia, every oligarch, he has a wife, but he has, sorry, he has five 19-year-old girlfriends, and society's fine. So there, there's no Epstein's Island. There's no, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop and cracked out prostitutes and all this insanity. And all that's just basically comes down to the fact that they've told rich, powerful men, men they're allowed one woman only. And they end up just going down a path of secrecy and degeneracy to try and feel satisfied. And, and that's another thing that Islam fixes, because you can be a man of stature, a rich, powerful man, have four wives that reflect that, and I think four wives are probably about enough for any guy. So you'll you'll be okay. You're not going to start yeah, running around yeah, the world that, doing insane insane that, things. That that that's the limit there. Four four wives. Uh, so tell tell me then, just since you mentioned Ukraine, that's another example. If all the men go out, because you know you have this this whole movement with the feminism, and now the men are the ones who are stepping up, going out and getting killed in the war. And now let's say you have an abundance of women. Doesn't this solves the problem? No. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. And it's I mean, the whole feminism argument is amazing how quickly that disappears when war starts. Right. So that that's out the window. But yeah, it does fix the problem. Um, and and also it's kind of sad, like I live in Romania, which is next door to Ukraine. And since the war started, I get I'm getting a lot of messages from girls who live in Ukraine trying to come visit, come live with me in Romania, effectively kind of run away to a degree. And it's kind of sad. Like, imagine being a man in a trench in the freezing cold to defend a country. And then the most beautiful women of your country are just trying to use Instagram to bounce to some millionaire's house. Like, I don't know, man. The whole dynamic is is kind of scary to me. <laughs> I I really, and that's another thing. Like, when we talked, we go back a point, not to, not to over-iterate, but to go back to what we were talking about earlier about how you cannot disrespect the Islamic faith. I understand and respect the people, even all the wars that happen in the world, it makes so much more sense to me to fight for an idea or a religion or a faith than it ever would be to fight for a country. For example, I don't think, I don't think there's any country on earth worth believing in. I do think it's worth believing in God. I don't think it's worth believing in any country. I think it's probably the only thing worth fighting for and defending. Uh, if I was Ukrainian, I would not be interested in defending Ukraine as a sovereign state because I know too much about politics and corruption and how it all works. And I understand the world too well to, to go get blown up for no reason, you know? So it's, it's another thing that's interesting. So yeah, it's, it's certainly an interesting world, but when you, when you take religion or faith as a whole out of the world, there's very little left, but just degeneracy, hedonism, corruption on every level. And then what's your life purpose, right? What are you trying to do? Okay. 
you're trying to have a bunch of kids, maybe that's probably the most noble thing you could do. But if you're going to do that without any kind of religious framework to install in them, without any kind of faith for them to grow up under, then who are they going to become? Are they just going to become people who consume Netflix and, and new slaves to the to the new world order? Is that what you want? Is that why you want to have children so that they can be raised by uh, a school system which teaches them to hate you? It's like you remove you remove faith and remove religion from 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 your life. There's nothing else out here. What are you going to do? Eat star drink Starbucks every day and get rich to buy a new iPad? Like, is that going to satisfy you? It's kind of crazy to me. And this is coming from someone who was an atheist. And I, I talk to atheists now and, and I say to them, then why are you alive? What are you living for? And their answers always fail, fail to impress me. Let's leave it at that. Wow. Tell me, what's the difference quickly before I go to my next question? And I got a, I got a surprise for you. I got a, a guest that just came into town. And he's somebody also who you can learn a lot from. You can watch some of his videos. Very well known out there. His name is uh, uh, Naman Ali Khan. And you'll see him. He just walked into the studio. It's just coincidence that I got you now. And he's an expert actually in the subject of Quran, right? That we touched upon a little bit. So uh, he'll. Uh, I liked him to just come in and ask a ask a question or two. But he's here next. He just walked in actually. That we just came to the studio. But uh, tell, what's the difference when you talk about talk about for these terms in my generation, we didn't really hear, hear much of these terms like beta male, alpha male. What's the difference between a beta and alpha? What is it for the for, you know, someone like my father never heard these terms. How would you define it? But he knows he'll know when you talk, when you describe it, what that is. Yeah, it's actually quite hard to define. I think it's because it's over. It's can be overused and it can be largely misunderstood. But I think if I had to try and break it down to the most base level, I think an alpha male is a man that other men want to be. Um, and I think a beta male is that other is a man. Other men are not trying to emulate in any degree, right? There's, if you put a hundred men in a room, there's, it's very easy to point to the five or six men. Every man wishes they was, or would like to be more like, and I think that's what an alpha male is. And I think women can detect that, you know, uh, even better than anyone else. Cause they're instinctually driven to detect that. So that's what I'd say an alpha male is. And I'd say a beta male is somebody who does not have those qualities. So nobody looks at him and goes, I want to be more like him, or I want to know what he knows, or I want to live like he lives. Uh, you, you talk about uh, the father should be a superhero, you know, to, to these children, but he's turned into uh, kind of like, uh, what, what, what did you say? Yeah, I mean, but was my father was a superhero, right? I was raised in a way in which I really viewed my father as a superhero, but that was also based on the fact that he did not submit to the will of my mother. Right. If you have a man who's scared of his wife, can he truly be a superhero in any regard? And that's a question. I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I can't imagine a man who's scared of his wife acting like a superhero because women have completely different life goals and instincts to men. This is something that most people forget and don't understand. I have it all the time. I get a, a chick or whatever. And she says, I wish you didn't work so much. Why are you always busy? Why are you always working? The fact that I'm always busy and always working is the reason you were attracted to me in the first place. But now that you have me, you're going to pretend I shouldn't be doing those things. You're going to try and change me. Now you want me to stop working, right? That's the only reason we even, that's the only reason you were even attracted to me in the first place. It's kind of amazing. And if, if you allow a female to impose her will on you as a man, no matter what she says about how it's going to make you better and make her happier, et cetera, it always leads to the same place, which is misery for both parties. You have to be an iron frame. You have to be resilient to the insidious because it's insidious right they try very very hard they're very very clever they cook they cook nice meals they're warm you know and they're all like you know baby you don't have to go don't go gym stay here with me etc cetera, etc cetera. and i think that's a very dangerous path to walk down but i was lucky to live to grow up in a household where my father never ever ever listened to my mother not in a disrespectful way just in a very much like okay thanks for ta talking i've uh, i appreciate your point of view but no so <laughs> who he was right what would you say to him is one proof that he can look at to, to confirm that islam is the quran is not a man-made book and islam is not a man-made religion it's, it's indeed from the divine being an expert in the quran well um lots can be said um i'd start off by my own journey to share can you hear a him? couple can, of things can you hear him andrew I can hear yeah, 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 yeah. okay uh, nice talking to you. Uh, I think that I what I like to do uh, when I meet with audiences, uh, professors of other faiths, and you know intellectuals, anybody, uh, is that I like to invite them to explore the Quran, um, you know, intellectually, and critically. Uh, that's an invitation that the Quran gives. It's interesting that 
people perceive religion as something that you have to be indoctrinated into and you have to follow it as the dictates are and you don't have to actually critically ask any questions or think and contemplate and the Quran is kind of unique in the way that it presents its message because it's constantly saying don't you then think don't you contemplate haven't you asked questions this is a book for those who seek to ask to have answers it's not actually asking you to shut your brain off and accept what it's saying it's actually asking you to contemplate its message so it stands really unique in that sense um, my own you know, since it offered that invitation to me, I didn't come to the Quran first as someone who believes in it, as wanted to figure this thing out and you know try to make sense of it. Um, and many of the things that I struggled with in philosophy when I was a student of philosophy, they started getting unraveled as I was getting deeper and deeper in my study of the Quran. It just started kind of untying a lot of those knots. And it's also remarkable that some of the biggest addictions that people suffer from every one of them is targeted one after the other in the Qur'an. Right? Some of the things that plague humanity, more like gambling, for example, alcohol, for example, intoxication, for example. Like Each of these things is targeted, and you think it's not just a, solving a Muslim problem, it's solving a human problem. It's solving a societal problem, it's solving a global problem by targeting these, each, each of these specific things. Um, the other thing that, I would, that, you know, that really fascinated me, I ended up writing a book on it, Ended up getting taught around the world. Uh, Alhamdulillah, it's even being used um, in one of the Islamic studies courses at Harvard now, uh, is Divine Speech. It, it's a book I dedicated along with my student to why is this book, why is this book, why am I believing that it's divine? What's making me think this? And I wrote it for a non-Muslim audience, actually. Uh, it's a little bit academic, but the point of it was there are, there are elements to this book and the way that it's structured, that if you first, if you went to the library or you got on Amazon and bought yourself a translation of the Quran, you started reading it, you think the subject is kind of going all over the place, right? It's 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 not staying on the same subject, right? It's saying some profound things, but the organization seems unlike anything I've ever read, uh, and that was one of the things that baffled me at first. Like, why is it organized in this way? And so, I, one of the areas of my study became the organization of the Quran. Why is it organized in this way? Why is God talking in this disarray? And what I discovered was something absolutely breathtaking, that it's it's got a symmetrical structure that you'll have a chapter, for example, that's hundreds of verses, like Baqarah is 286 verses. It's an oral tradition, so it wasn't written first, it was recited and pronounced and memorized in that way. Amounts to about 50 pages in Arabic, right? But if you study the subject matter, the, 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 the nine subjects that are occurring in this long 50-page discourse are like subject one is directly tied to subject nine, and two to eight, and three to seven, and four to six, and five right center in the middle. Like there's an incredible three-dimensional structure to the way the argument's being presented. Like human beings, we think linear, right? I'm gonna make point A, then I'm gonna make point B, then I'm gonna make point C. That's how I organize my thoughts. And unless you write something down and say, you know what, I'm gonna do this, and just for fun, I'm gonna do A, B, C, and then go C, B, A, Right? Even doing that in, in six sentences is hard for me as I'm sitting here talking to you because my brain isn't wired that way. But this thousand, you know, millennium and a half old tradition has got multiple surahs and multiple chapters where this kind of a structure is demonstrated over and over again and other kinds of structures. You're like, this is not possible for a human being to do. Linguistically, it's not possible. I'm a, stu a student of linguistics. It's just not possible. These kinds of structures, this kind of organization. That, that's one of the things I wrote about in the book. And I started, ended up teaching courses on this stuff. Um, but for just, at a, just to take a step back level, my invitation to anybody is put your preconceived notions aside. Take what you may have heard about Islam, what you may have thought about it from your own faith tradition's point of view. Put all of that aside. And you know, I, I wouldn't even invite somebody to read the Quran to accept Islam. Read the Quran neutrally and get a first, uh, you know, an unbiased impression. And I would think it's really difficult to not walk away truly being moved by what you're, what you're being exposed to, truly being hit by what you're exposed to. Uh, the, the final thing I'll say is there is a huge tragedy in the world today that even most Muslims aren't as aware of the Qur'an as they should be, right? So Muslims don't become a really good representation of the contents of the book, right? So even disconnecting yourself from the Muslim bias, I'm just going to read this for myself with 
no other influences as much as possible. At the end of the day, human beings can are going to have some bias or the other. But as much as I can consciously be disconnected from bias and give it a shot and read it, I think that that would be my invitation to anybody. Andrew, any question, any uh, final question, anything you'd like to ask him while he's here? What happened was, because we got delayed with the program, he, next guest was coming in, so I'm uh, <laughs> with you. But this is amazing. You can look him up, actually, online, and you'll see a ton of his videos. I'm his, going to. I'm going to read that book as well, because it was really yeah? interesting what you were saying. What's, it was really interesting what you were saying. After the show, I'd like to send you a copy as a gift. And also, your invitation is exactly the way I would have done it anyway. I would have read it. I'm going to read it. I'm, I've yet to read the Quran, but it's certainly something I'm going to do. I'm going to read it without a preconceived notion, without a preconceived idea. And I think that's the best way to do things because you're right. There's too much bias in the world. But um, from from what I know, I think we just talked about it for the last hour. From what I know, I have absolute respect for the religion and respect for the faith. And I've been very, very blessed to be on the show. So thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. very. So you're I'm from Chicago, from Chicago. Also, this is your hometown. Do you visit Chicago at all? You plan on visiting um, anytime? I'll be honest with you. Not too often. I, I if I do come through, I'll, I'll hit you up. Hit I am. Up. I'm I'm politically opposed to the USA. I try and avoid it. <laughs> or or you know what? You got your private jet. So when I go to Bosnia, I mean, you could fly. Can you fly into Bosnia? Yeah, I can absolutely. Yeah, I can come. I can come to You've Bosnia. Never been my, to, my kickboxing coach was Bosnian as well. Yeah, what was his name? Amir Subasic or Subacic. I don't know how he said Subasic. Okay. I call yeah, him. I know most. Of, I'm, I know most of the, the the top guys over there, the kickboxers and everything. Would be they'd love to. So you, but you never visited Bosnia, did you? Ever put I've that yet on to your... visit. I've yet to visit, but I've heard it's an absolutely beautiful place, and and the Bosnian people are the, some of the most resilient, dangerous. They're the Bosnian people you don't want to mess with. The Bosnians. That's sure. <laughs> would, would you, you ever consider taking a trip? How long is the plane ride from Romania to Bosnia? Uh, hour, hour and a half, it's not far. Yeah, how about if I get your invitation, you come down, is it possible? How much advance notice would you need? Let's keep talking about it. Let's do it sometime okay. this summer for sure, bro. Let's do it. Okay, it was, a, it was an honor. Very nice talking with you, brother. Thank you, my friend. All right, thank you. God bless you. All right, peace. Call us at 1-800-662-4752. We'll see you next time. Until then, peace be with you. Assalamu alaikum. And if you like this episode of The Dean Show, like this video, share this video, far and wide and support us on our patreon page so we can continue this work thank you for tuning in peace be with you assalamu alaikum